0: Thank What's up, everybody? Happy Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Welcome to River Chronicles, brought to you by RealTucking.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined with today, Mr. Leo. Morning, people. Mr. Ryan. What's up, and everybody? Mr. G, what's up, guys? What up. How you guys doing today? Chilling. In this lovely, lovely rain on the <laughs> East Coast. <laughs> oh, had, yeah.
1: Jersey's all We had all for like four days. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, well it was four days of rain. Now the sun's out. The sun was like, I'm back, guys. We were supposed to <laughs> we were supposed
0: to have snow last week and we didn't get any.
2: No, we actually we did. Um I we was did? I was walking down the pier um down in Hoboken and as like as I'm walking I see snowflakes and I'm like, It is way it is way too early for this stuff. You know it's funny?
0: Um <laughs> Jen and I are going away for the holidays and we're going to Disney for the holidays and Jen's been checking the, the weather over there and it's like in the 70s or I think 60s, 70s or whatever. And um, that's for me, shorts and like <laughs> short short sleeve. You,
2: you wear shorts at New York Comic Con. And well that's done. That is true. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um,
0: and like Disney, I, I follow uh, the Tim Tracker on YouTube. He's a Disney vlogger. And they are selling sweaters and hot chocolate at Disney. I'm like, yo, it's like <laughs> 60 degrees. <laughs> what is this hot chocolate needed for? I'm sure you go through that over there, G-Ray, right? in L.A. Oh, definitely.
1: Definitely, for sure. Uh,
0: All righty. So this week we are covering the use, uh, news and film and what we watch this week. But this week we're also going to cover our top top ten favorite film scores. So like I listen to film scores every day. So this was a very, very fun for me. Um, there's a lot of, I guess, hot takes on these top tens because – I looked at the entire score, yeah. not just one specific part of the movie. Not a theme like, song. This is a spoiler, but Jaws isn't in my 10. The reason it's not in my 10 is because it has that iconic opening, right? Mm. But if I ask you, do you remember another part of that movie score, you kind of have to really sit and think about it. So yeah. that's kind of how I set my list for, for later on when we get to it. So the first thing I want to get into today is I've had a revelation and a a change of heart towards yeah. a certain someone. Boo. So a couple of weeks ago, Traitor. Like, I know, man, I suck <laughs> for this. But like we had this discussion on like Marty and his not calling Marvel Cinema and all that stuff. So, um, he had an interview with ABC that I actually just saw this morning. So this is like fresh off okay. the fr- fresh off the head. And he had an interview talking about The Irishman, so on and so forth. And then they asked him about what he said about Marvel, and. I think he made a very good point in a lot of things. But the first thing he wanted to say was, and even the interviewer said the same thing, is like, you're not saying that it's not cinema to other people. It's just not cinema to you, to him. Okay. It's his, we always talk about being subjective. We always Uh, talk mm -hmm. about here, like, (laughs) we always talk about being subjective, our own personal opinion. (laughs) So he was talking about, like, to some Marvel films, maybe cinema, but to him, it's not. He's seen one or two Marvel movies, and he said that's enough for him to realize that they're pretty much the same formula. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, that's not enough for me to change my my tune on it. I get where he's coming from yeah. in terms of you have your own opinion, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Then he gets really into it, and that's where I started changing my I your
3: guess stance, opinion on it. Yeah. I
0: feel I changed my stance on it. So he he pretty much mo- I took some notes down. He said when he goes into um, what he got? He exactly considers cinema. He says something that stays with you when you can go back five to 10 years later and learn something new about the film, yourself and your own personal life. Like your growth watching a movie 10 years ago and then you watch it now may be a completely different thing. You may see different things. Now, do I consider Marvel cinema? I do. But at the same time, I will watch Iron Man 2008 and I watch Iron Man in 2019. I'm not learning anything different from it. You may find little, oh, cool. There's like another Easter egg here. But as a person, like me being, quote unquote, the film snob here, as a person, when I watch a movie, an older movie, black and white movie, anything like and I watch it. 10 years ago or when i was a kid and i watch it now i have a completely sense a new new vision for it like i adore endgame and we've talked about that movie plenty of times here i adore endgame but at the same time i'm gonna cry over the same shit in 10 years but i'm not gonna learn anything new from m game and he used the movie as an example and that's what i wanted to finish off on that so like um you can watch he's he goes on and says you can watch a film certain a certain way at first and then pray certain things about it but as you grow as a person the film changes in in what you like and your perspective of what you like about it he goes into an example and his example that he uses hitchcock and that's when i like, yeah, yeah, that's that, when the that light went off you're for you're me and i'm attention. like mm-hmm. at yeah point. and i'm like wait a minute i kind of like what movies is he going to use as an example because I personally use Psycho as a perfect example of what a casual film watcher yeah, looks at it as opposed to what someone like me would look at it. And that's exactly the example he used. So he goes on to say that um, first thing he says about Psycho is that, you know how he calls Marvel movies theme park attractions? He called Psycho a theme park attraction back in 1960. Like it was such a craze for it, but he goes, he's become obsessed over the film and It's not the shower scene. It's not the reveal at the end. It's conversations throughout the film that he pays attention to more now. And that's exactly what I do. I think G does too when we've spoken about Psycho. He'll look at a conversation between Norman Bates and fill in the blank character and be like, Wow, Hitchcock shot this because of this reason or that reason. So every time he watches Psycho... He's learning something new about it. Learning something new about like the aspect of filmmaking. And that's what he considers cinema. So I look at it and I'm like, while I consider, you know, I can say Marvel is cinema, I don't necessarily disagree with him anymore into his perspective on it. And that's, I just I just needed to get that out there because I, I found that very, very like so I educational.
2: It. I respect it because you had like the ownership to be like, hey, listen, I have some new information. My stance is a little bit different. Yeah. So I do give you props on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Like my only i guess uh challenge to that is mm-hmm. um see i think it's the same thing though like if we watch and then just throwing it iron man one gotcha in 10 15 years right ideally both you and i will probably have kids by then mm-hmm. um and we will maybe have a different sense different things have happened in our lives um so like the the arrogance of tony stark maybe you and i are really successful in our corporations. Maybe we can like, identify with that aspect of So Tony. we become snobby assholes. Maybe we become snobby Oh my assholes. God. It would be so great. That would be so great. <laughs> be so great. Yeah, like, or, or like in Endgame, Tony's atta- uh, attachment to his daughter. Like We're not dads, so we don't have that att- uh, that attachment. That's a good one. That's so, like, a very good point. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, regardless of what movie you are watching, mm-hmm. in 15 years, if we rewatch it, different things of our lives will make us look at it differently. C- okay, can I ask you
0: a very serious question? And Ryan and G, I ask you the serious question. Yeah. How will I feel in ten years when I watch Fantastic Four again? <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> well, I, if, if hopefully, if if science if, if science has evolved
2: to the point where we can become invisible and have those powers, imagine maybe we're like more like appreciative of the. movie. So like, I may become Doctor Doom in like ten years. Imagine we're like Wait a minute! It was a documentary
0: the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, like I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Um, I see. Where I want to know. Go ahead, Rice. Sorry.
3: I want to know what two movies, honestly. Because I feel like certain movies, yes, I can see that. But like a movie, say... Civil War, Winter Soldier, I, don't, I feel like it goes against that normal grain a little bit more, so I feel like that's closer to cinema than any other one. I wonder. So that's I a good question. See. I would love to know what he saw. You know he what probably what saw <laughs> Dark World and Iron Man 2. It's like I'm out. What I, do, what I do love, though, is that
2: he still gives props to the directors that he looks up to, right? Yes, he And does. I think with, and the, the backlash of, of Martin Scorsese afterwards has always been the people that idolize him feel attacked. The people that Mm -hmm. looked up to him are the ones calling him out. But he's never gone against people that he's idolized, that he's looked up to, because he's learned from them. Yeah. But like, imagine you're a student of Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith starts talking crap about your podcast. You're like, whoa, 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 dude! Like, I aspire to be like you. <laughs> and i will be like, like, Yo, dude, what? You, what? you made Tusk. <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> good. So, so although, while I do respect Samsaici bringing up Hitchcock, mm-hmm. I think at this point, like, what's really hurting the, the, his not even peers, it's his like his descendants. Afterwards, I think
0: because he's so he's so much above them. He's so Loved by everybody. Yeah. He's I mean This like, is uh, honestly, I think this is the first amount of controversy he's ever had in his like career.
2: Because like and it's <laughs> crazy, he is so beloved. He's yeah. like the he's like the Derek Jeter of filmmaking. Like he's done
0: nothing bad. He's untarnished. He is just a pristine individual. Like Derek Jeter, even like as a bachelor, he would give there's a there's a like <laughs> a long standing story that Derek Jeter on his Wild Escapades would send a basket of flowers the next yeah.
2: day. Yeah. He's like quintessentially just a nice person. Yeah, you <laughs> think Leo does
0: that? I think Leo does that. Yeah. I think, Leo, I think I think Leo donates it to a charity in your name. Yes. <laughs> he's like he's like I'm going to donate a million dollars in your in for climate change in your name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So any other and and any disagreements or any other comments from that? Uh
1: I don't know. I I it just loses me so when he says I've seen one or two of them cuz I don't think that's enough to form a solid opinion of that. I guess, and like I, I, I understand what you're saying, and like that, and that's his opinion, and that's you know what he's taking from it. But I still think when you make a comment like that, like you don't consider it like cinema, it still sounds like a dig against the people who are making that, who feel like they are making something cinematic. I mean, I would, I, I would, and I guess someone of his stature, like I, I, you, I wouldn't want someone of his stature to kind of say that. It's like you, you know, you are at a certain point in your career where you're revered and respected, and like people respect you you know, you should understand what it's like to be a filmmaker and, like, kind of, uh, you know, these are your babies. Like, even though these people are making big studio films, they're not just, you know, phoning it in. They're putting their all into it. So I think that kind of comment takes away from the work that they're putting into those movies.
0: I that just my Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I, remember, I don't agree to a sense with that because like, he... He's not saying it without explanation. I mean he's explaining himself as to why he feels that way. So it's not like, I like what it And thinks. he's not and he's not like shitting on the filmmakers as a whole. So which helps. Know, which stuff. But yeah, that definitely helps. Like yeah. you mentioned uh off the air, you mentioned the tr- I think that was Coppola that was pretty much called him trash.
2: Yeah, when he when he then backed up Scorsese. Yeah, You're right. So says he never said it. No. I think it was his defenders that went on, went on and just You know went what's hand. funny
0: um before we move on, the whole Scorsese thing. No one is still no one can ever say a bad word about Scorsese. About <laughs> They're <himself>. like, <laughs> we don't agree with him, but we still love you, Marty. <laughs> so it's super funny because <laughs> I,
2: cause I watched them an interview on Jimmy Kimmel, and this is really quick. Um, Jimmy Kimmel's an ABC show, mm-hmm. right? Fo- that's Disney. Like, Scorsese at this point had maybe, maybe, maybe had like the most antagonistic view that he's ever made. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah. So he walks on, like, walks onto the set, standing ovation. No one's saying, and it's just like, it's love. Like it, 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 no matter what he said or how people feel about what he said, it still doesn't yeah, destroy def- his like his his reputation. He's like Tom
0: Hanks, like yes. the director version of Tom yes. Hanks. Like you can't hate him at all. But yeah, so that's my two cents on that. I just want to point that uh, put that out there. So going into now, some, go ahead, Ryan.
3: Going uh, along with that, did you guys see what Elizabeth Banks was saying all week? Oh, no. we're blaming, we're blaming all the Marvel movies. So I, so let's
0: blame them. Let's blame the fact that there's no Marvel movie this week for uh, Charlie's Angels dropping sixty nine percent at the box office. But yeah, it's it's all Marvel's fault. It's all Marvel's fault.
1: <laughs> well, she would say it was Marvel's fault. I mean, she she made her really dumb, and I like Elizabeth Banks a lot. She's yeah, cool. Um, but. The comment she made was the initial one was like, Hey, if you don't support Charlie's Angels this weekend when it opened,
3: that you means hate women.
1: <laughs> that, that basically like men that means that men can't support female led action movies. And then on Twitter people were like, Hey, Captain Marvel, hey, Wonder Woman. And then she was like, those are different because they're female action movies in a male dominated genre. So like those movies she was saying. Aren't really the purpose of it isn't to drive the female lead, they're just like a small piece to drive this bigger <gasps> male genre. So, wow. Wonder Woman is there to kind of set up Justice League, and Captain Marvel is there because it's a piece to set up Avengers, uh, the new Avengers movie. So, I kind of understood what she was saying, but I also thought it was just bad timing. Like, if you really made a really, I didn't mind Charlie's so it, I was fine, but if you made like a, a great female led action movie, people will support it. It had nothing yeah. to do with the fact that. These are three females leading the movie. It just didn't work. By the it's an IP it? that's like old and dated. Like your target audience doesn't yeah. know what Charlie's Angels is, and mm. that's not to take away from what you did with it. She did some good stuff with it. She made the girls a bit more three dimensional than they were in the other two movies. Like she did good things with it. It just wasn't enough to get the audience in. Then yeah. to see it, like, she, and she, you know, she, she kind of like yeah. can't make excuses for your failure. I mean, I will give her credit uh the days after it opened she did make a tweet that said like well if you're gonna have a flop like you might as well have your name on the flop four times because she's starring in it she wrote it uh she produced it and she directed it so she still says she's proud of the movie no matter how much money it made so i think that should have been her only tweet on the subject at all like that would have (laughs) made a lot of people feel differently about it if she would have been like hey you know what she acknowledges it didn't do well but she's still proud of it but everything else sounds like an excuse for people not going to see it. I don't even think that was the reason people didn't see it. Yeah,
3: I... isn't action movies generally male dominated? Anyway? A male
1: dominated genre? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so it's funny. It reminds reminds me. I did, G I said I did last understand week. her piece though. So,
1: yeah.
2: I remember what G said last week was when um, when he reviewed it. He's like, cause he watched it, and he's like, hey, yeah, I want to see it. And he's, his main call out wasn't the action scenes. It wasn't how crazy fantastic that was. It was. Kristen stewart yeah it was like if you're gonna go watch it watch it for her so like right there that's not a biased opinion that's just like straight up like hey what i enjoyed the most about this movie wasn't the direction it wasn't the action it it was straight up Kristen stewart and if that's not enough to captivate you to go watch it then don't go watch it don't go and no one did
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean
0: um so
2: yeah it's
1: gonna be a distant memory next by next
0: week <laughs> for sure um moving on uh west the west craven estate has begun to take ideas for a new nightmare on elm street sure why not yeah. wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. why do you want to go uh, what's wrong with it I, I i miss fred i miss freddy i miss I freddy
0: but i i want robert england back yes and if we're not going to get Robert Englund back, it's I. I but don't H- know, man. Well, um, Haley,
2: I, Haley was the other one, right? Judge Earl Haley. And uh,
0: I hate that movie. Not the I don't bad. hate him. He, he wasn't, wasn't bad, bad in it. It's yeah. just he's not Robert Englund, he's so not Robert very. Englund. He felt very Nightmare on Elm Street Part One and Two, Freddy. Not yeah. the comedy. Not Freddy. That movie's fucking <laughs> trash, though. That movie's awful. You know, I would. You know what? I would have <laughs> liked, and Geo probably hate me for try, trying to change the narrative of a remake. I would have liked. If they would have gone in a completely different direction with the remake of Nightmare on ah. Elm Street and you kill Nancy in the beginning Ooh. and it's Tina's story, the whole movie. And it's not even Tina, gee, Tina's not even her name in the movie, right? They change the names on that?
1: Yeah. They changed it. I uh, forgot so, the weapon. They do change it.
0: So yeah, like I would have liked they try something completely different. But when you're trying to so do with
1: Katie what, Cassidy, would have led the movie? Well maybe they would have gotten someone else. Which is amazing. It is
2: amazing. So I
1: would have been I would have been okay. I would have been okay with it, but there's you know there's the Kitty Cassidy curse because she's been in some horrific horror remakes. Mm-hmm. She was in Iron Elm Street, she was in Black Christmas and she was when
3: when a stranger called. She's not good for your horror remake. <laughs> <laughs> now go ahead. You guys are uh G and uh, Dave, you guys are huge horror people. Do they ever say how Freddy, like, gets his powers? No. Yeah, well, I've always been curious.
0: Well, and Freddy's dead and Nightmare. Yeah. They do. They said, like... They like, kind of explain. it. They yeah. kind of explain it, but that, I actually think that's the least... The most forgettable out of all of them. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, the yeah. remake, is just terrible, but, like... At least we can still talk about it. No one ever talks about Freddy's dead anymore. Do you remember much <laughs> about Freddy's
2: dead? I remember. I, I mean, I love the Freddy Krueger franchise, so yeah, I, I remember like the the mystery or the uh, the legend of how he got his powers. Like there was like the like this secret demon that he made a pact with before he burned to death, and that's how he stayed to keep uh, keep haunting everybody's dreams. They, so, they went into it. It was very fantastical. It became very ridiculous by the end of it. I agree.
3: Um, so, could you go ahead, Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Could you do Nightmare on Elm Street and not do Freddy? Like, it be someone yeah. else and be I someone else no, doing the terrors? No, no, Just throwing it yeah, out there.
0: So, the only no, to, has, so, how would you guys think, since the way these new reboots have gone, like Force Awakens and Creed, and I'm trying to think of anything else, even Terminator, even though it failed at the box office, um, bring back Robert Englund and have someone else take over as, like, no, the main...
2: Yeah, like, I, I, like a, like, it's like a, a passing, a passing of the, of to the torch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, that's the only, it'd be tough to see that come back. I would hate that, but, or
2: maybe, you you heard that the
1: options are, oh,
2: sorry. Oh, no, no, I was gonna say that, because kind of like in Saw, um, they did it where like, one of the victims was so like, I guess, warped Mm. that he could take over, so maybe something like that, but I honestly hate to see something other than Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, G, what were you gonna say?
1: No, uh, well, the options seem like what the ideas were, they're pitching either a sequel reboot and then the other option is like an HBO Max series. So, which one would you think HBO would Max be HBO better Max. suited? HBO, mm-hmm. HBO Max. And which one would Robert England likely come back for? Because he said, like he said he wouldn't do it, but then he said he would do it one more time. He so, did like, say it, I, Yeah,
0: I was actually there at that Q and A where he said it, but he was very, he's very quick to not guarantee anything. <laughs> so, but I, <sighs> Robert England would do a one-off. I don't think he'd come back for a
1: series. Yeah, so it most likely it'd be a sequel reboot if he did come back. I think so.
0: But yeah, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, The next bit of news is we got a Joker sequel, and then we don't have a Joker sequel. So I don't (laughs) think we're going to get a Joker sequel. Within within, within 10 minutes. (laughs) I I reported two different things, and like, yeah, 20 minutes for the site, I'm like, oh, I feel very good. We're going to get a lot of hits on this today. And we did. And then I had to put a note, like, wait a minute, this is not going to happen at all. So... I went from really sad to really happy in like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. though. Both.
2: But you know what? Both news drops made me happy and sad simultaneously. I was like, ooh, another Joker
3: movie. Oh, another Joker movie. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it's gone. (laughs) So, (laughs) go ahead, Ryan. See, my, uh, like, I got into it with someone on the internet about this because to me, this movie is damn near perfection. It really is. Um, If not perfection. And to... Try to do it again, try to get that lightning again. I told the guy on the internet straight, I'm like, give me a sequel besides Empire that's better than the original.
1: Okay. And
3: he kind of shut. True. <laughs> he didn't even come up <laughs> with that, though. <laughs> um but it's like if you're gonna i'd rather see this idea done again than see arthur fleck again i'd rather see heart of ice done i'd rather see all the different villains and characters you can give a serious one-off to and see that instead of seeing arthur fleck and again that's nothing against arthur i love the character but please don't do that i
0: agree <laughs> so uh todd phillips spoke to Indie Wire and he pretty much debunked it here's what he said uh here's the real truth about the sequel while Joaquin and I have talked about it and while touring the world with Warner Brothers executives going in Toronto and Venice and other places of course we're sitting at dinner and and they're saying so have you thought about it about it but take talking about contracts there's not a contract for us to even write a sequel we've never approached Joaquin to be in a sequel will that happen again I just think the article was just anticipatory at best Pretty much, I think that's just saying it's not going to happen. Yeah, and let's yeah. move on and Word. let's let's give this movie awards and then we go on from there. <laughs>
1: well, well you see, the Hollywood Reporter. So Hollywood Reporter was the first one to drop that story, and I don't even think they retracted it. <laughs> I think they just kept it going. <laughs> I didn't, didn't. them go like, "Oh wait, oops." As and like, me- but it was so weir- weird that like a big publication like that like went hard like mm, this is what's going on. To, to- and then it was like, yeah.
0: To go on when you said G, they not only didn't retract from it, they've reposted it like four times <laughs> since the other yeah, day. They on
2: my in. New It was like, Yo. They're like, if we like, posted it enough, right it'll,
0: it'll become right. It'll become true if we
2: keep posting <laughs> it. That's just insane.
3: I've said it enough.
0: And I'm sorry, but I think that's why a lot of publications, outlets, including ours, reported it because HR is like yeah, like one of the top outlets yeah, out Yeah. I mean, there. If,
1: if it would have been like comicbook.com, it would have been like, no, nah. <laughs> no, click you mean clickbait. Uh, yeah, so like, clickbait.com yeah we all did it too like i mean when when i posted on g-reels and it came out like there wasn't i was like oh i gotta post again that oh, oops sorry guys false alarm <laughs>
0: yeah that's that's pretty crazy um and the movie's still making money in the in theaters it just passed the dark night uh worldwide box office box office and it uh it actually topped Charlie's angels this week at the box office, which wasn't really too tough. I know. But, okay. I th- so <laughs> I thought it was, no- I thought this was the last week, but yeah, I think but comic it's, book I think it may have a few more week- weeks left. Yeah. I don't, I'm nice. So yeah, we'll it
1: probably, I wonder if it can play through like a little bit of December, like just like a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Until <Star> Wars. <laughs> some of
0: that. i not even Star Wars. the Jumanji. I think when Jumanji, yeah. comes out, then it will probably be gone. So, but yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, in casting news. I know G was very happy to see this. Uh, this is just too funny not to bring up. So Julia Roberts, um, she's and a studio exec in 1994 said that she should play Harry Tubman, which makes
1: sense. It's, I mean, it may. I, I, it wasn't just that she should play Harry Tubman; the, it was the whole like. Let's suggest to play Harriet Tubman, and everyone in the room basically be going like, "But Julia Roberts is white." And <laughs> going like, and him going like, "But it's been so long. Who's going to know the difference?" Yeah, <laughs> wow, I, I, wow!
0: Wow! Wow! <laughs> There's really nothing to really comment on it. No. We all think it's ridiculous.
2: <laughs> I think I think our listeners, our listeners are thinking so, exactly <laughs> what we're thinking.
1: <laughs> so even if it was a joke in the room, right? Even if it was like him being funny, it's so it's such a tone deaf thing to oh say. God, even yes if you're trying to be funny. Like, it's just not uh, – and I don't even know if the guy was yeah, – maybe he was serious. I don't know. But, like, all I could think when this story started is, like, poor Julia Roberts at home today, like, sipping on Chardonnay. <laughs> running, like, why, what, why am I trending on the internet? <laughs> He's like, oh, that, being, like, that's I, come back. I, I want her to come out and say, like, first and foremost, I want you guys to know that I did not think I should play Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
0: uh, – I wonder who – who the hell leaked that story? That's twenty five years old. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so I want to know.
2: Someone, someone must have gotten like trash drunk, played "Never Have I Ever," and we're like, it. "Never." <laughs> yeah, right. Like, never have I ever thought that Julia Roberts would be good at, Harriet's, at Harriet Tubman. Oh my God, that's drink. Fucking, that's Wait, so what hilarious. do you mean, drink? Of this, oh, in a little it bit, was such
0: a funny story. A little bit more serious news. Um There is a rumor and. We're gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying rumor that there is a talks of John Favreau taking over the Star Wars brand over Kathleen Kennedy. What do you guys think about that? I mean, Favreau's
2: not a bad choice. He's a geek, so I think he'll respect the material. He's Um, doing well with the Mandalorian really fantastic work with the Mandalorian and Iron Man one and two. Like Iron Man two. 1 my friend Iron Man 1 uh, Let's not throw I Iron still, Man 2 in I there I still like Iron
1: Man 2 <laughs> Okay You should have been like You should have been like Iron Man Swingers I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Swingers
0: Swingers for sure <laughs> I,
1: I like it I like it I like it
0: I, it, it just shows Whoever is leaking These rumors They really want Kathleen they Kennedy They want Kathleen Kennedy out, out. <laughs> Yeah I feel so bad for them. They her. do
1: they want, But they want new blood They want someone to like well uh, I don't know Like I, I, I guess the biggest issue With Star Wars I guess Not really for me But like for some people Is there should be like fresh ideas and new things brought to it, and I think she kind of like keeps things very strict into mm-hmm. the formula. And maybe right, they right. want to try something different.
0: So to to play, I can't believe I'm I'm gonna say this word for you play me to play devil's advocate. <laughs> she she is an EP on a uh, Mandalorian, so she has does okay. It's Favreau's story, but it was approved by Kennedy. So she imagine, is.
2: Imagine Kathleen and Julia Roberts were having lunch together when all this shit started dropping, and and then <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Oh my god, we should just
0: quit Hollywood today.
1: Know, like they want me out.
0: They're like, I was supposed <laughs> to be married. <you." laughs> um, quick, quick. Uh, moving on from that, uh, I don't know if you saw it, G, but I posted a video this week of a Todd Phillips breakdown yeah. of the opening scene of Joker. Did you guys get a chance yeah. to see that? I'm sorry, it's yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was
2: Vanity Fair, I think? Or a Vanity that... Fair. Yeah, yeah. so sort of good.
0: I'm, I'm a little late on that. It came out like three weeks, three weeks, four weeks ago. But it was very... I sent it to you. <laughs> oh, you're the one that sent it to me. Sorry, Ryan. I got busy. Um, but yeah, how, how detailed was that? I thought it was very, yes. very good yeah. breakdown of the, uh, of the opening scene. One of the things that I liked the most is it goes back to like I can watch Joker over and over again. You're going to see something different. I didn't know about the... I didn't pay attention to him hitting the... The, the flower. The flower. I yeah. didn't even pay it, attention me, to yeah. that. So that was pretty, pretty dope in terms of like... Even in his dark times, he's still trying to oh. be funny. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I went to school in that area. And not once did I pay attention in the movie that the backdrop was CGI. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that got me a lot. I was like, oh, oh shit. Never mind. And I also liked the whole art, that whole scene that Arthur was running. I didn't, I thought that was mm. uh, a stunt, but it looks like, except all, for the slide, the slide was yeah. all, was all Joaquin. So it's a pretty good video. You guys should check it out. Uh, it's on the real talk Facebook page right now. Um, so pretty much that's about it for news. Um, I wanted to touch on, cause Leo finished it and G finished it. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. So the AHS 84 finale. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So just a little quick dissection on this. Um, I think it's not. I don't think I know. It's my favorite season out of the series. And you watch all the seasons, and too. I watch all yes, the seasons. So you're, you're a fan, of um, course. Yeah. I think it's the one that try. It pays homage to the slasher genre, but okay. creates its own identity with the way it ended. And I know you had a problem with the end, Leo, yeah, a little. Yeah. Um, and I thought there was performance wise. I thought everyone was really solid this this season. Like I, I think I fell in love with Billy Lord. Yeah. I think I'm totally in love with her. Um and yeah, like I think the nostalgia of the '80s had a big effect on me and loving it as much as I did. So yeah, I think they, me and G, always joke about it every for the last three years. It's the American Horror Story never really sticks the landing for for us, and for me, I think it really stuck the landing with this That's in cool. terms. Of, and I also like that this season was. I'm surprised no horror movie's ever done this before. The fact that. You become a ghost if you're killed at the camp and you can't leave. But if you die right. outside the property, you're just dead. You don't become anything.
2: Oh, uh, like you only haunt if you're in the... In you the... only become a ghost if, if you, you die, if you if you die, die in, on the camp, the...
0: within the campground. Yeah. If you die, like at the, in the season finale, I thought it was funny when uh, they were... Spoiler alert! They were killing Dylan McDermott's character, and they kicked him out of the camp, so he couldn't come. So back he in, couldn't yeah. come back. So I thought that was a pretty cool idea for like the actual ghosts in the store in the story.
3: Okay, so I think Super... didn't they do that season one?
0: They did. They did. In, in, uh, in, no, um... because I think the go- there were still ghosts outside the house. Outside okay. Murder House. Oh, I got what you're saying.
2: But you, so yeah, the 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 theory or the theme that that the, the ghost is stuck where they're where they died is something that has been done before. But, then, but not in, in a slasher in, movie. In, in this though, yeah, in the
0: slasher movie they've never. At okay. least, I, unless I'm completely wrong, but I can't really think of a slasher movie that
1: does yeah. this. No, if you're a sl- in a slasher movie, you die. You're just dead. Yeah. <laughs> 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 There's what, what, no coming back. What do you so think? So I feel like we're in the minority on this season.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like it and, seems and like we're
1: right in I was reading online, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is the worst season ever." Like, oh, I'm yeah. like, man, I actually thought it was like a lot more fresh and original than the show has been in a long time. Speaking of fresh, and it's actually the
0: highest rated on RT as well.
1: Oh, oh really? Right. I Tomato says that. Then it must be true. <laughs> You know, what, but I see like the biggest complaints for people that didn't like this season were just like the missing ingredients from it. Like they missed Sarah Paulson. They missed this person. They missed that person. That did feel different about it. Mm-hmm. Like you did have familiar faces like Emma Roberts and Billy Lord. And yeah. you did get and Finn. like Finn. McDermott. You got and McDermott Finn came at the
2: back too, Yeah, and Finn, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, but I think like, you know, some people, their American Horror Story, they want those signature people there. I mean, I, I think we got used to not seeing Jessica Lang after a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like there's certain things about American Horror Story that people want. And I don't think they felt like they got it with this, but I, I think kind of like taking those key people out and letting the show kind of stand on its yeah. own a little bit, even though you had a few familiar faces, allowed it to be something completely different. And I, that's why I enjoyed it the most and, throughout the whole season. And, I per- and like every episode got better and better. Too.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I personally really like the uh, Mr. Mr. Jingles story. Oh, yeah, 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 I like that it was he yeah. wasn't just some killer. That it was a story about. Him and being him and his family. Yeah. So I really like that little twist on it. And usually I hate American horror story twists, but this one I really, really dug. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much our takes on HS84. I It's my favorite season. And it has the best music of the entire series, I think, because <laughs> I love eating yeah. music. I, think, I, think, I definitely
2: think that you and G have a def, an affinity for it based on your, like, you're, you're, you guys adore horror stuff and yeah. slasher stuff. Um, for me, my favorite seasons are still going to be season one Murder House. and Hotel. I hate but, hotel but, but, but they make you sense hotel though. Is I, see, our see, God. I love I love hotel though cuz I'm a I'm a huge geek for anything vampire. Oh, so you like, like tra-
0: and you like traveling to hotels and stuff. And so. I love traveling to hotels.
2: Um, <laughs> no, so the, but it makes like, the thing the cool thing about this is Ryan Murphy is still keeping it fresh. Like G mentioned it earlier, like it's like it's still stood on its two feet. It looks very different than the mm-hmm. other seasons. Um and the, I think the cool thing is regardless of what you're into, you could probably find a season of American Horror Story that you'd like.
0: Yep, it. that's true. Yeah. Um, and then this bit of news that broke on Friday before we get into our, uh, what we watch this week. Uh, so John Turturro is cast as Carmine Falcone. Yeah. It's a different look for him. He's usually like, he's usually like a really big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. I like John Turturro. So yeah, no real complaints there.
2: I'm interested okay. in the casting of the role period though. Like yeah, I'm surprised Falcone he's in, in it. the movie is where I'm like, wait, interesting. Okay. Cause I There's mean, so many people in the movie. Yes, that's exactly
1: it, G. That's exactly where I'm like, It'll wait a Arkham
2: minute. Asylum the movie. Are you, are you casting for a movie, or are you making up
0: a Gotham City?
2: I think are. Like,
1: are you casting a whole trilogy, or is this just one movie? Yeah. yeah, seriously,
0: because I can't imagine Fal... I mean, I'm maybe completely wrong. I can't imagine Falcone having a big role in this movie. Because he wouldn't be in Arkham. He wouldn't be in Arkham. And if Penguin's in the movie, he's probably the boss by now. Weird, right? It doesn't... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, like, it's very casting, weird. Yeah. Casting. Um. So going into what we watched this week, of I saw a bit amount of stuff. Uh, I saw Knives Out. Oh yeah, Knives, oh, Captain America's it is, back. It's so bad. It is so good. It's so good. I just love Ryan Johnson. I think that's what it is. Like every movie is his has been different. So you go from Looper, you go from Star Wars, you go. There's his first movie. I Actually, have not seen. So I'm on Looper. What was his first? Uh, I don't actually know the name by heart. So Star oh, Wars, yeah. Looper, and then Knives Out. They're all different. And big props. I'm not gonna spoil anything, obviously, because that would be stupid of me, and I wouldn't Ish. do that to you guys. <laughs> um, but Chris Evans. Much props to Chris Evans for saying. I played the goody two shoes for nine years or 10 years. I'm going to play an asshole. And you see in the trailer, he looks like a complete asshole. He's like a prick. Yeah. He's hilarious. He's really funny. The movie's really, really funny. The movie is definitely a comedy and tries to incorporate the whodunit aspect of it. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns, and I really like where they went. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm very curious when we come back after you guys have seen it if you guys figured out who the killer was. I early can't wait on. for that. I can't I'm wait very to try curious to, out yeah. to, to discuss that. Uh, so yeah, I saw that. I also had Jenny and I started watching Save You Private Ryan. We're not done with with it yet. <laughs> the reason I didn't say that we finished it and I just wanted to bring it up because Jenny's very upset right now. <laughs>
2: what happened?
1: She,
0: she likes the movie, which is a good thing. likes war
1: movies, though, right? Yeah, she,
0: yeah, hates she doesn't like war, war movies. Yeah. She really likes it. However. She thinks that it is completely fucking stupid (laughs) that you kill four brothers and just because he's the last brother that they go on a mission to rescue him. He feels like she's like, it's entitlement. Oh wow! She's very angry right now. you are watching it, and her face is like, oh, so the, this is good," but I'm so pissed so off. So the whole
2: premise of going to rescue the brother is with anger her as anger her. Anger her yeah, now. because yeah. she's
0: like, "It's war. They know what they're getting into." And the fact <laughs> oh that God. the fact that they're going at the mission of the movie is to, to rescue this guy day, yeah. because his other brothers died at the same time. So the mother receives the letter of the four dead brothers. It's a it's unfair to every other soldier. What if it happened to another soldier? But he looks
1: like Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> so if he looks like Matt Damon, you, you go save that, brother. <laughs> it's
0: not entitlement if you look like Matt Damon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> if you look like Matt Damon.
1: <laughs> I
0: hadn't seen it in a while. It's still, those first 40 minutes Crazy, right? on Normandy, uh-huh. are really good. it's still incredible. But I forgot... Trash ass Vin Diesel's in it, and he's just as trash as he is now. He's not as trash because he's supposed to be like a dumbass, like, soldier. So, yeah, and he the way he
2: dies, <laughs> he
1: played himself. Oh my god, yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's uh, <laughs> stupid, stupid moves. Um, but yeah, she's she's liking us so far, so that's good. Um, I I th- saw for a buddy of mine that listened last week, and he uh uh, wanted me to watch Robin Hood, the anime the Disney animated Aww, movie because really? he really likes it and I it's a cute one. I don't like it at all. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also saw Return to Jafar. I'm um, Disney Plusing a lot. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> what what are you doing to yourself right Sorry. now? Sorry. <laughs> um, it's not it's not good. Um and I saw Frozen. I still like Frozen. I'm, I'm in the minority of us here, but I still like <laughs> Frozen. And then I saw this documentary on the Marvel Cinematic Universe called Phase One Avengers Assembled. It's on Disney Plus it's just crazy that Iron Man technically is an indie. Yeah. Yeah. Because Marvel. Well, Stu- well,
2: but it feels like it though. Like it. Does- Marvel
0: Studios really had no backing or anything like that at the time, so it pretty oh, much was yeah. an indie. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, and that and oh, and this morning I saw one of the worst movies of 2019. It's I thought that it was it was supposed to be a player. I saw the laundromat. Okay. It's it's pretty. It's pretty awful. It's, I, it's like
2: there's like is it about crime or something? Is it like it's about like money laundering or money, no? yeah, it's, it's about, money about how money
0: laundering yeah. work with one specific uh one specific uh organization. Got it. It's not good. I don't like it. I did not like it at all. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all I saw this week. What about you, Leo? So it's funny. I went through a uh like uh award season
2: kind of binge thing. So I ended up watching um JoJo Rabbit. What do you think? Oh, dude, so good. Taika Waititi it's like amazing. Yes. Um I think it was like so it's funny. I think the movie was super heartfelt. I think it was super um just like emotional. Um I love the comedy. It was really clever, very different. It uh it, it was a very conflicting movie, right? Cuz it's like the little like, I mean to not go into anything was really spoiler. Wait, you
0: have you seen it, right? I have not seen okay, it. Yet. So, well, wait, we won't yeah. go
2: to spoilery, but it's just like the the story is such a like an sweet story mm-hmm. in the backdrop of such a mess of time, yeah. right? So but like it's 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 I recommend it. What's it's, your f- yeah. it's so
0: funny. What's the non-spoiler funny part that you can Oh my talk gosh. About? Um, For it's, me it's uh Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. <laughs> with <laughs> Hitler the With the uh, greetings? Thing that's
2: funny with me it was um actually it was the um the the book. When um when, when, when you, uh, <laughs> Nathan yeah <laughs> um but yeah no like Jojo Rabbit definitely recommended I think it was a very sweet heartfelt movie uh, Scarlett Johansson incredible. she's had a good year she had a, yeah. she's had a very good year um the 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 father scene I think you'll know what I'm yeah. talking about yep. like uh yeah. crazy heart like that's like a, a hit um then I also watched Judy um so Renee Zellweger. Uh, I think she was incredible. Um, first off, I don't know. I didn't know too much about Judy Garland's mm-hmm. um, childhood or her career or the way she was Isn't treated. That crazy? It's it was abuse, dude. It was incredible, like child abuse. So I
0: think I've told you off the line. Like yeah. the reason. I mean, you can't. I don't think that was good. What happened to her? I'm just saying. In terms of back in the day, she didn't have the option of just like going. Oh, I'm gonna make a movie for this studio. No. The studio owned you, and you had a if you didn't work for this studio, you weren't working for anybody. Yeah, they, so yeah. that's probably I think why she did what she she just took everything that was given to her in terms of all the punishment course, that
2: she. Of course, she, she she felt like she had like it's funny because like they they really make a the um they make a point of showing you how entrapped and like how she was uh just caught up and trapped in her in her in her life. Um, she like the, the 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 they they show like the, the director not the director the the owner of the studio and how he would like speak to her and how he would like convince her that she was helpless and she couldn't do anything else how she was like not pretty how she was like too fat and this is a little young girl but like no I thought it was like it was a very it, it's crazy like dark movie just like to see that someone that's like an icon of us can be treated like that um, I think Zoë killed it I think she did an incredible like incredible um, job portraying it it was funny because like a lot of times with renee zoecker i'm not a huge fan but like i kind of i lost i lost where renee was and where judy garland started like she did a really good job of like just being judy garland and
0: she hadn't done anything in a long time too she hasn't right so.
2: uh, since uh manchester no not Manchester. No, she, that was michelle williams michelle williams yeah <laughs> Okay, when's was when the last time that did Zellweger? Uh, I will
0: look that up while you go through the rest uh, of your list. Watch
2: Parasite. <sighs> Parasite was freaking dope, oh. man. Jeez, oh, G. Like when I heard your, so I think your review last week is the one that kind of like put me over. I'm like, all right, I gotta see this.
0: Hey, I've been talking about this
2: yeah, movie for like but, two months, But dude. You soup up every movie. That is true. <laughs> I do. I do.
0: <laughs> I
2: like, do. Like, uh, but with G, like he came in and he was like, one, I don't think I don't, G, you're not big on subtitle movies, right?
1: I'm not really on foreign films. Yeah, it's kind of it's, our, our it's buddy, rough sometimes. Our but this buddy, wasn't
2: our buddy Kevin is also not big on <laughs> subtitles.
0: Well, neither am I. I don't like foreign films so much. Like some, but
2: I think you appreciate.
0: Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So like when when G came out saying it last week about how amazing it was, I'm like, all right, I got to give this a shot, guys. If you haven't seen Parasite, definitely go watch Parasite. <laughs> yes, it's literally it's, so it's like, good. It, the blend of like comedy horror, drama. Com- it, it's everything. It's mm-hmm. literally everything in one movie. You 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 think you know what this movie is. And then you completely don't And know I will say
0: is. what I said last week, the less you know about Parasite, yeah. the better you are. Well, Ryan, you I even anything. think
2: you would like Parasite. Definitely. Like, you feel it. Like, it does hit the heartstrings,
0: too. It's another movie that, like, yeah. So, going back on when you were, we were talking about uh, Renee, yeah. so she took a break from 20, 2010 to 2016. So she just started working, yeah. So she just started working back in 2016. She did Bridget Jones' Baby, same kind of different as me here and now. And now Judy. So she took a long break.
2: Oh damn! Um, So that uh, after those three, I ended up just watching. So I watched Bad Boys Part One last night because a couple of my friends, like buddies, like since we're like first grade, they never seen it. So it's funny. We are one of the biggest things of our childhood is quoting lines from this movie. And just like a month ago, we found out that two of our buddies since kindergarten have never seen the movie. We're like, you've been quoting lines from a movie you've never seen? <laughs> uh, so we watch, I watched Bad Boys, Bad Boys 1, which honestly was probably Michael Bay at his peak. <laughs> the height of his powers. <laughs> yeah. I rewatched uh, the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Um, I, I think I still have it pretty high on my list of like, live-action adaptations for Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, John Wick 1, freaking awesome. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy one, another one that's like it's, I think it's still top five on Marvel for me um, I think
0: I think it's top five for me too yeah the I took my, to my letterbox yeah. list and I was
2: like oh wait no it's top five I like it um Mandalorian episode three I think yeah. it's
0: progressively gotten better and better Definitely. I
2: think and I think you you kind of told me that like this episode three was short
0: too it was like it was 37 minutes and it didn't feel it it yep. felt good I love the fact that they're not trying to be long for the sake of being long, just dragging they, it out, because they have the capability to be long. I love that it's nice and tight, and I love when shows do that. Yeah. But go and ahead. And
2: uh, last, I just finally finished uh, Gargoyles on Disney Plus. The whole series? Um, the whole series? It's only um, three seasons. Oh, okay. Um, but like, it's it's one of those series I think that like was under underappreciated in its time. I think it's definitely got a lot of like commentary on society, a lot of smart writing. Uh, but yeah, Gargoyles was the last thing I watched this week.
0: Alrighty. Uh, what about you, Ry?
3: Um, I watched Age of Ultron again. Why? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like just giving a rewatch for the first time in a while and Hi, I regret I it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched the Imagineering, uh, thing, doc, that, that you turned me on today, yes, on the Disney Plus. So good. Oh, uh, so interesting. Um... And for people who don't know, that's all about, like, pretty much the creation of Disney World. Yeah. Um, the uh, original Muppets movie still holds up to this day, in my opinion. So, fun um, fact, Rye, I've actually never
0: – the one from the 80s, right? Yeah. I've never seen it. And I love the Muppets, and I've uh-huh. never seen it. <laughs>
3: All right, well, that's your homework for this yep. week. <laughs> uh, speaking of Muppets, a Muppet's Christmas Carol. Yes. Uh, one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> nice. uh, I actually watched Frozen from beginning to end for the first time. Oh, dude, I still it, have
2: to do that. I got to do that today with the holiday. What I'm do doing you think that today?
3: I think the fact that I waited until post-hype made me enjoy a a lot more. Like, I enjoyed it. I see where the hype was, but if I watched it back then, I don't think I would have been part of the hype, to be honest. So I
0: actually saw saw Frozen before the hype. Like, I saw it, like, um, Thursday at midnight. This is, I think they're still doing midnight. So I saw it Thursday at midnight, so I I, I was able to appreciate it before it got ridiculous.
3: Um... (laughs) I've been doing my Star Wars rewatch getting ready for uh, Rise of Skywalker. So I I did Rogue One, which one thing I'll say about Rogue One after watching it as many times as I have, all the deaths still get to me pretty much. Yeah, like I here. still get a little teary eyed. <laughs> um, I did. I watched the OG trilogy. And uh, one thing I noticed, I'm not sure if you guys have fucked with it yet, but you can, there's extras for the movie so you can see deleted scenes. Mm. Do yourselves a favor. Go watch the deleted scene from Empire where Luke tries his hardest to get into Leia's pants. It is hilarious in hindsight. <laughs> 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 he shoots his shot and it's just like cringeworthy knowing what happens next. <laughs> um, and let me see. Um, and also I watched Endgame again and just doing – I'm almost done with – X-Men and been keeping up on Supernatural and getting ready for the crisis on Earths and oh, with CW.
0: Guys, well, I think we're all caught up here. I'm ready to kind of tap out on Batwoman. <laughs> no, I got to push through. I got to push through. I got to push through. It's, it's not good. It's, it's so not good. It's not good. good. Uh, and I, can't, I, I feel like I can't tap out on anyone with the bat. You with a cow on. But it's it's it's
2: really bad. They just like this last episode they had Alfred Pennyworth's yeah, daughter. Daughter.
0: Like, who had also had a fling with yeah, Kate. Um, it's Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not it's not good.
1: It, but, yeah. Uh you know what I do wanna point out though, other than the Flash, it's the only CW D C show that's pulling in over a million viewers. So, wow, that's,
2: wow the ratings are that good <laughs> per, right
1: Yeah yeah so i'm Why? like it's like the, i mean in, in the end the demo number is what matters even its demo number isn't bad but like the the flash has the biggest demo numbers across all the shows but i i thought that was interesting that like it's the flash and batwoman that are pulling in over a million viewers each it's week. it's the fans know, a, wow. yes.
0: fans of the cowl yeah they just like
1: yeah they <laughs> yeah, can they're like yeah well we gotta support it
0: the i whole... mean like it's
1: I, it, it, I don't want to say it's like I'm not giving up yet. I mean, I gotta get through the crossover and stuff. So yeah, me too. Um, yeah. So, but it, it's kind of it didn't oh, the pilot wasn't that good, and then like the second episode was better, and it just kind of settled in this weird like mediocre state. Yeah. <laughs> right, that it hasn't kind of gotten out of yet. I'm but I like it. Ruby Rose still.
0: So Thanks I, I so I'm I think. To not like so Ruby Rose. here's, I remember when when the news first dropped, and I was like, oh, I really don't like the casting because I don't think she's a good actress, and she's never really led anything. Then I saw her in the costume, and I'm like, oh, she's not. she's she looks great. And then I saw her in the crossover like last year. I'm like, oh, she, it, she's good. But then I realized that was still a supporting role. Yeah. Now that she's actually <laughs> a lead, she is. Crash. She cannot hold that role for shit. She yeah. like I'm calling it what it is. I don't think she's very good. She still looks great. Like so, she looks yeah. fantastic. Whenever,
2: whenever we talk about Batman, we always discuss like whether it's like are you Bruce Wayne or are you Batman? She's a good Batwoman. Yeah. She's a awful Kate. No substance yeah.
0: with Kate. Oh, I totally agree with you. Like <laughs> if she wants to still be Batwoman in, in the suit, she could be. Maybe we could get a new Kate. That'd be yeah. For season two, <laughs> that'd be great. All right, uh, what about you, G? Anything you watched this week?
1: Uh, I couldn't watch a ton this week because I was super busy with work. I had a lot of late nights, but uh, so I've been late night. I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of uh, X Men on Disney Plus. Uh, I also um, watched. Um, I got a copy of it on Thursday. I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again. Nice. And uh, it's it, it was even better watching it. Because se- I only saw it once in theaters, so the second time was even better. And it doesn't feel long still, even though it's a long movie. I like just like yeah. every single moment of it. I like l- I mean, love it I too. think like Quentin Tarantino is like the he's like filmmaker. Like everything that he does, you're just like, oh, like look at that, look at this. Like everything like he throws into a movie is just so you just pay attention to everything. And like watching like <clears throat> like Brad Pitt again, and like I just I know he's not campaigning for anything. Because uh, he's choosing not to, but I kind of hope he gets a supporting nod for it. I, like he's really like good, but like understated. He's not yeah. like over the top. By like, the way, that Leo was in the role mm-hmm. uh, in his role, and not over the top bad. I'm like not saying that he's chewing scenery, but like his part's less showy than DiCaprio's was.
2: Definitely, yep. Uh,
1: but I really hope he gets a nod for it. And you know, even like uh, that whole—I still love the whole breakdown scene from Leonardo DiCaprio when he like fucks up on um, shooting the show. And he's like doing the whole like, oh, you gotta quit drinking, you gotta quit drinking. And he just grabs a plastic in it and like takes another shot of the drink after he said you gotta quit drinking. And he like goes off on that whole tangent. Like, I don't know. I know he's not like the front runner anymore to win uh, at this point, but at least he'll get a nod for it.
0: Yeah, I think. He's, much deserving one too. I think he's pretty much set for for the noms.
1: Right. And then pointing out the Margot Robbie thing again. Like I know, like we talked about it before. Like, oh, she's not in it that much. She doesn't have a lot to do. But you still feel, like, this kind of aura, overall presence of what she's bringing to the role of Sharon Tate. Like, if you were, I think, like, like Sharon Tate's sister thought she did a good job. I think she did a good job of conveying how sweet people thought Sharon Tate was. And, like, I think that was necessary, that whole, like, juxtaposition between, like, her career and his career. Like, I think it's necessary to have her, even though she doesn't have a lot to do
0: and i don't think it's a thankless role at all i think it's actually kind of important to
1: the overall narrative in my opinion i agree nice. uh anything else g? Uh, no i i had a pretty it's busy, busy week restaurant right. stuff yeah
0: <laughs> all righty so last bit of news uh good good kickback after you mentioned hollywood is uh 1917 premiered yes yesterday and it looks like we have a new front runner so first reactions for nineteen seventeen and many critics are saying that the that picture director score cinematography editing are a lock for nomination. Scored with some calling it epic, emotional, and the best war film since saving Private Ride.
3: Which... So Jenny's gonna hate it. <laughs> no, she so just Jenny's not seeing it with you. <laughs>
0: so I know someone that saw it and they think it's pretty incredible. and they were cut to uh, the cinematography they pretty much said that sound mixing sound editing cinematography are over wow it is a rappy scrappy because it's um um it's shot in real time and yeah i was
1: trying to figure out what was a hook i forgot that the movie kind
0: of had a hook so how it was shot so for a war movie it's only an hour and 50 minutes because it because it's shot in <laughs> because it's shot in real time. Damn! So I am like super super excited, and I love Roger Deakins, and they're saying that's Deacons' best cinematography. And if anyone's seen any Roger Deakins shot films, he is one of the best, if not the best of all time. So I am like super excited for this, and they said Thomas Newman's score could be a wrap too. Wow! So, sorry sorry for us Joker fans, but I think. 1917, maybe.
2: <laughs> well, let, let's wait. I guess, right? We gotta, we gotta see it too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: So, well, the Oscars do love
1: a good war movie, though.
0: <laughs> and they haven't really gotten into one in a while, right? It's been a while since like, they. The same th- part.
1: I mean, I guess like what about what Dunkirk? Was the last one? It was uh, Dunkirk. Yeah. The Dunkirk, one with Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk, 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 yeah. Dunkirk, and then before that, it was the one with oh, Garfield. Hacksaw Ridge. Yes, there it is. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, that's good.
0: And war movies seem. you on the name. <laughs> uh, war movies seem to always win sound and mixing at the oscars yeah so i mean we'll we'll see what happens all right so let's get to this yes the reason Um, we're here (laughs) top 10 film scores of all time i i had such a good time not watching listening to different scores to get ready for this um so like i said i did this list probably a little different than you guys i based it on the entire score of the film not just one piece of note that's iconic from the film so, some may be a little, some of these movies may not have, you know, might, be, will probably not be on your list. But I do have a couple of honorable mentions. I have Jaws by John Williams. I have Jurassic Park by John Williams. I have Schindler's List by John Williams. I have Raiders of the Lost Ark by John Williams. I have Superman by <laughs> John Williams. Um, Did you break up
2: your like, honorable mentions by like by, by, by composer? No, they just happened to fall that way.
0: <laughs> um, I also have Vertigo from Bernard Herrmann. I have Taxi Driver from Bernard Herrmann. <laughs> I have Casablanca from Max Steiner. I have The Dark Knight from Hans Zimmer. And I have The Social Network from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So those are my honorable mentions. So. Uh, my number 10 is very, very new, and it's one of those that I know the more I listen to it in five years, it'll probably be in my 10 anyway, so I'm like, I kind of... Might as well? Might as well. So Joker's score has really got, made an impact on me since I first heard it back in October, and I know it's very... I hate, do, I hate, hate, hate doing stuff this early, but it's just a score that it's so important to the arc of the film that it's unforgettable. Like you don't leave that movie without thinking of not just Joaquin and the entire movie, but you also think about the score. The I have people that don't even listen to film scores and they're like, shout out to Kevin that are like, (laughs) um, that are listening to it on their regular rotation. Yeah. And that's pretty fucking awesome that it's Mm -hmm. done that. So my number nine is one that I thought was too soon. The first time we did this, years ago. So I have La La Land. Oh no, before I go go on to La La Land, my favorite use of the score is the bathroom scene and the Joker smile at the end. Cool. So um, my number nine is La La Land. So originally, I thought about this a little bit. I know I won the Oscar for score but I was like, do I think about the songs in the movie more or do I think about how the score was used in the movie? And I think they both have a very strong impact to the actual film especially the which is my favorite use of the score is the end the epilogue of la la land i think is one of the best endings of the decade and one of my favorite endings of all time i think it's it's such a great not 1940s and 50s musicals mm. that it's hard to forget uh, but outside of that i think the score is, is used very very well throughout the entire uh film hell a piece of music is what brings. Uh, Mia and Sebastian together yeah, so yeah, that yeah, shows that yeah. it made an impact there so my number 8 is Back to the Future uh, by Alan Silvestri um, and to go back Justin Hurwitz said La La Land and Hildor Guadagnetor did Joker so my number 8 is Back to the Future uh, Alan Silvestri I mean you'd think that everyone just remembers Powers of Love and Gotta Go Back in Time but that movie's score is so key to a lot of the main scenes yeah. in the movie from mm-hmm. like Marty going into 1955 from scenes at the prom when he runs into Biff or or shit like that or when George runs into into Biff but more for me the scene that hit me the most was the uh the end where Marty cuz I, I mean i've seen that movie a million times and i'm so at the edge of my seat like yo like doc better get this together so some Marty kid Uh, get back to 1985 so back to the future Aside for me one of my favorite movies of all time also has one of my favorite scores of all time my number seven is rocky wow so good one bill conti so i think that rocky i think that's all score i don't think there's any songs really in it until you get to like Rocky Four, I think. Living in America. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. You're no, right. no, Rocky Three. Rocky Three. That's when it starts getting mm-hmm. with yeah. Eye of the Tiger. Yep. So um, the score of Rocky, I think, is very, very important to the, damn, to the not only the training scenes but the fight scene at the end because that going the distance pushes the fight from beginning to end. Once, and I love the use of it because you don't hear the score until Rocky hits him, da- knocks him down for the first time. So I thought that was very impactful there. And then my number six is Psycho from Bernard Herman. Nice. Um I mean Hitchcock there's a lot to dissect with Hitchcock and Herman scores because uh he uses them. He uses Herman for a lot of his movies. Yeah, but does. I think Hitchcock and I mean psycho is so important because I think it's one of the most famous keys in film with the shower scene. Yeah. But that's actually I don't think it's my I don't think that's my favorite. My favorite is the use of the opening score where Marion is driving to the Bates motel, and then you the Herman score gives you a sense of urgency of like she's starting to regret what she's doing, but she doesn't know how to fix what she's done, so I think that's very impactful for me, so yeah, that's my ten through six nice leo house. take it away,
2: yeah, no, so like um. I guess your description of a score is exactly how I saw mine too, right? Okay. Um, The only thing that I threw on mine too though is like the importance the score had to me. So like once I realized, yo, I'm into movie scores. Like I remember these scenes and this music just captivates me. Like I started listening to scores on its own, but then like now the score has a different... like heart in me because now i'm listening to the score like on the way to work yes uh, so now i'm good like good job so, but, like now, but now i'm remembering the way to work as this score so the score not only now has the movie it has my life so like my top five may not be like iconic <coughs> amazing films but for me this score is no matter what i still have it in me uh but my honorable mentions would be <laughs> um avengers endgame um, alan silvestri <laughs> Uh, Back to the Future, Silvestri, uh, Gladiator, Hans, Hans Zimmer, Zimmer yeah. La La Land, Justin
0: Hurwitz. I'm just happy you put it in there. <laughs> I feel like, thanks for no, amusing me no, there. No. <laughs> look,
2: uh, scores are something that like, I really love. And I think it's like those subtle little themes that come like and go throughout the whole film that just mm. remember, like, you remember what you're supposed to feel. Yeah. It hits me. And some of them enhance the movies too. Without the score, the movie's just not as good. Um, honorable mentions, The Rock, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> He did that score? Yeah. Who knew? Uh, the Exorcist, Mike Oldfield. Psycho, Bernard Herrmann. Mm-hmm. The Social Network, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Morricone, yeah. And uh, Requiem for a Dream, Clint Mansell, and the Kronos Quartet. Nice. But my number 10, Ben Hur.
0: Really? Yep. I mm-hmm. didn't even know you saw Ben um, Hur. Ben, ben, ben- <laughs> Good Her, job, Leo. I'm very impressed. Ben
2: Hur for me is top like five all time films. Good job, it Leo. Is, I um, didn't even
0: know you had seen that movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, um Miklos Rosa. Mm-hmm. Um amazing work. Um it, like it you felt the Roman Empire. Yep. Like that the the um the overture sets the mood. Um I have my favorite usage though as the prelude to the main title. Which is what's playing when they're entering the Colosseum. Gotcha. So it just, re- you remember, like, it's blaring brass, it's drums, like, you just feel, like, the, the crazy, like, I guess, the, the omnipotence of the Roman Empire and how grandeur this whole event is. Um, my number nine is Schindler's List. Very nice. Um, John Williams. Yes. Um, the theme, the opening theme, it's just, it's sadness, it's sorrow, it's slow, it sets the scene for the kind of movie you're about to see. Um, and you just, you just, you get into that mood where you're like, if you didn't tell by the black and white, you're going to tell because of this music. Yep. Uh, my number eight, Jurassic Park, John Williams. Um, the, when they're entering the gate, mm-hmm. um, it's majestic. It's beautiful. It's still John Williams, um, but it's filled with violins and it builds up the sense of like wonderment. Yes. You're like, ooh, like I feel like something's like about to happen. I'm feeling very like uh, majestic. Um, my number seven, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. You picked, um, the, picked the right one? Howard Shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With this one, I chose Foundations of Stone, which is the, uh, the beginning of the movie. So what Howard Shore does in this is, um, he strings across like these, um, little nods to everything that happened in part one. Mm-hmm. So he's literally recapping all of Fellowship of the Ring through music. So you hear like the whimsical strings of The Fellowship. You hear the nods of Smeagol's theme because Smeagol's going to be a bigger character in part two. Um, and um, you also see like the, the Shire, the elves. You hear it all through music in a short little recap. Um, that's my number seven. And my number six is Inception. Um, okay. Hans Zimmer. Um, just uh, it's just like a lot of drums. My I chose the song theme um, time at the very end, where everyone's waking up in the uh, in the plane. Yep, and that drags all the way over to when he gets back home. With oh, the top, yeah, with the top, exactly.
0: Alrighty, good list, Leo. Rye, t- kick it off.
3: Alright, um, my honorable mentions are Streetcar Named Desire good and one. Back to the Future.
0: Nice, good one.
3: Go ahead. Uh, number ten is the Three Faces of Eve. I'm not sure if anyone has actually even heard of that movie. Oh, never heard um, of it.
0: Go ahead, Ryan. I've never heard of that.
3: It's it's pretty much a movie about someone with uh, multiple personality disorders. It's an interesting film, okay. and for me, uh, the score comes in. For me, the best part is for each change, of um, uh, the personality. Number nine, I have Wizard of Oz, uh, and I chose Munch the Munchkin Lang Like when she first comes out of the house, like I think it sets up just a sense of wonderment a little bit of the tones of underneath uh, over the rainbow to show you. That's pretty much where we are now. I just was listening to it the other day and I loved it again. Um, Number eight, I have uh, Godfather, the horse's head scene. Yes. Uh, uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 Um, Number seven, I have Superman. Uh, Just, the main title over the first time you see him in the suit, just iconic. And number six, I have Scarface. Um, and I chose when uh, Tony sees Gina Manny. Just the intensity of that moment, driven by that score, was just that's very
0: perfection. That's a that's a deep cut. I like that one a lot actually, because I right. I I actually forgot. A, about to score, because I keep thinking about all the songs in the movie. Mm. I totally okay, yeah. forgot about the score. That's a good one. Alright, G, go ahead.
1: Alright, so for uh, honorable mentions, let me pull up my list here, sorry. I um, have Avengers Endgame. Uh, the only reason I, I almost put that in the top 10, <laughs> but I realized that I liked one piece of music more than the actual whole score. Yeah, And it's the piece of music at the end. Uh, it's called the real hero on the soundtrack that plays throughout the whole funeral Yep. Scene and stuff. Uh, I also have Back to the Future, also by Alan Suberstry. I have a uh, Sin City by Robert Rodriguez. Oh, nice one. Uh, I have a uh, Jurassic Park, John Williams. Uh, Titanic, James Horner. Don't like the movie, but I like the score. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I have Jaws uh, under honorable mentions. Also, John Williams. I have uh, Terminator Two. I don't want to butcher his name, but I think it's Brad Fidel. Fidel. Uh, Superman. Uh, John Williams, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, Howard Shore. I have Rocky, Bill Conti. Uh, it follows. Uh, oh, that my, is a good uh, score. Disasterpiece.
0: Yep, that's a good
1: score. Uh, Gladiator, Hans Zimmer, La La Land, Justin Hurwitz, and Schindler's List, John Williams.
3: Oh, oh wow. I, I was, was amused so, twice really by La La Yeah. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. I didn't want, I didn't like when he said it, I was going to be like, oh, yeah, that's one of mine too, but I wanted to surprise you at the end. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> uh so at number 10 i have uh the lion king uh han zimmer so i actually
0: uh, got so let me cut you off real quick so i got okay. into not a debate but i was just, do we do we think about the score more than the songs though i mean if he does
1: well the i mean like i i do i mean like the the piece of the, well, the piece i picked like the score i think it, it's the best during the stampede scene. yes yes yeah. okay okay yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. A, Um, But but then there's also that, like, uh, at the end where, like, he's walking up and it's raining and he's, like, taking his place as king and then, like, the whole score.
0: That's good. Yeah, because that
1: almost was my favorite one. But, like. Yeah. Yeah, but I will. Yeah, but I will say that, like, I think that. Yeah, you're right. More people think of the actual songs. But, like, I don't know. Those pieces of music. Uh, for me I, Cause I, I still I, like because it's true like
0: I guess because when I was I was looking at the Disney movies too and I was thinking obviously of the songs are iconic but I also was like alright there is a score and Hans Zimmer does a yeah. score the only piece of music until you just put that into my head G, was the scene where uh, Mufa- Mufasa dies that score is yes.
2: brilliant yes. but yeah go ahead yeah. G, nice, pick, nice pick
1: uh, 9 I got uh, Batman 89 uh, uh, so low <laughs> I know, I know. You guys so <laughs> God, well, so like, well, like, well, like, but like, like, Leo, but like, Leo said like, it's like, you know, some of it's like more personal than, yeah. like, that's you know, that's why you he put, to, I had to think with my, you know, that's, heart that's, that's why like, Geo put what's... Lala landed
0: because he's like, number eighty nine near the bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. uh, my favorite piece of music, I think we talked about it before when I talked about Batman, is. Uh, mm-hmm. That scene where Vicky Villa and Batman are driving back to the Batcave, yes. and the kind of score just like swells bat as Batmobile just zooms down the road like Yes, that's, that's uh, that may be my favorite uh, too. My favorite. Uh, uh, for number eight, so I didn't know how to do this. So like, at first I was going to put like the whole trilogy, but I think that was fair. So I'm just gonna. Uh, I like. Okay, I picked the Dark Knight Rises only because the piece of music at the end of the Dark Knight Rises. Yes, Yes. I know Um, what
0: you're talking about.
1: The movie's trash. That does the whole build up to the whole, like, reveal that, you know, Batman's still alive, and then you see uh, the whole, like, then the whole, like, reveal of, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt being, like, the Robin or whatever. And then at the end of it, when, like, the floor rises, and then the movie ends. Um, But it was hard for me to pick. Because I like the music. There's certain parts of music in the Dark Knight that I like, like, especially when the Joker's on screen. Yeah. But... Um, I kinda I went with the Dark Knight Rises only because I like that whole moment at the end, that whole build up of music at the end of it. Yeah, I like that as well. Um at number uh Okay, so at number seven, I have uh the social network Richard Renner and Alex nice. Ross. Um I went with it because it was you know, it's such a different type of score. It's not your like really like traditional piece of music. But it a lot of the music serves the scenes really well. But like the part of the score that i really like it's like subtle it's like it's right after the main argument with uh eduardo and uh mark after he slams the laptop down and he kind of cuts back and forth between uh that confrontation and the uh the scene in the uh the hearing room where they're like discussing like the whole like matter about the money and it's just like this little like subtle like piano piece that plays in the background and it's just i don't know like the music is just so not what you would expect from and especially a piece of music that ended up winning an Oscar. Like I didn't think it would had a chance to win an Oscar when it did. Uh, but I appreciate it for being as different as it is. And then uh six I have psycho, Bernard Herman. Yeah. Um and you took the words out of my mouth about the scene that I was gonna pick. <laughs> Actually, it's you know, when she's driving uh toward the big motel and it's like raining and like she's going through that whole like the voiceover stuff in her head, like even though that of like the opening theme, the use of it there is probably
0: the best use of music. Nice. Totally agree. All, all righty So kicking off my number five, I have the Godfather. Nice. Um, so I actually was one I was debating between going with this and Godfather 2, because there's a lot in Godfather 2 that I really like. But I always go back to the baptism scene at the end of godfather one which is i think it's one nice. of the best endings of a movie ever and i've talked about it when we talked about the godfather a few months ago but i think it picture perfect the use of nino Rota's score with michael baptizing his godchild while his orders are being done in the background i think it's brilliant uh a fi- a fitting cap to like probably what i consider the best movie of all time uh my number four is et Extraterrestrial, John Williams, all uh, the feels, all the feels. <laughs> so th- that score is used so well throughout the entire movie, and you can take the scene where he first flies over the moon. That's great use of score there. But nothing gets me more than as soon as they rescue ET after he passes away, and he's you know they he finds out he's alive because of the little plant mm-hmm. and then he flies away, and that. John Williams destroyed me yeah. at the end of that movie <laughs> when they're saying goodbye to everybody, and he knows when to hit the most important keys to that score right where he's. I'll be right here. I'm yeah. dead. dead, 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 yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> even fucking Drew Barrymore saying goodbye made me nostalgic during that scene, But <laughs> that shows John John Williams brilliance. Like, yo, Drew Barrymore made me cry. I don't think oh, I think man. if we said this on here, I when I mean ball, I like I am red with how much I cry when I watch the end of ET. It's...
1: I can't I can't watch I can't watch ET with people. Yeah, neither did I. Oh, it's man.
0: I get, embar- <laughs> I,
1: get embar- I get embarrassed. I like I thought it was just a childhood thing. I used, to, I used to cry. Like like the end makes me cry a lot. But I watched the movie for the first time in like a long time, like two or three years ago. So that means I was like thirty two. <laughs> and cried like a baby. <laughs> I was by myself, thank God. <laughs> Jen and
0: I were at the movies because they, uh, I think for the 35th anniversary, they put it out in theaters like a year or two ago. And that's right when it started, you know, where the end of the movies, so I put my hoodie up. I purposely wore a hoodie because I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and I made sure me and her were siti- sitting in, not in a row with multiple seats. Our row just had two seats. So I could just oh, ball just be away. You. you could just be uh, you. Be uh, me and not have like, to worry. It's just
1: like, it's just so much of it. Like when he goes, like when he's like talking to him, and Et goes like, Come, oh. and he's like, you well, know, stay. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, just stay. Or, Go visit each other. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> e- something work out. Et2
0: Electric Boogaloo will have that.
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> you what's know, funny? Uh, that movie made a lot of money, right? Was there ever, ever, ever any e. talks of like doing another one? Like it ever?
0: <laughs> I Never even looked into that. I'm curious if they ever have. Huh. I'll look into that because I do I nothing that I ever heard, so.
1: I mean, not not that we, but I'm just you know. I mean, it's kind of like you know, I made a ton of money, so I'm surprised they weren't like. Let's wonder what a sequel. Would, I
0: wonder what a sequel would deal with. Yeah, uh, Yeah, so let's
2: <laughs> well, let's let, 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 let's
1: not like It's going to turn to like an intergalactic like, war movie like yeah. In yeah. Space, yeah. Like. Let's not put, let's, let's not put that energy out in the universe for right sure. Now.
0: Uh, <laughs> my number. My number three is Halloween, nineteen seventy eight. I mean, if there you. if there is a movie, uh, John Carpenter composed it. Mm-hmm. If there is a movie that changes from being great to being trash to certain people, it's Halloween. John Carpenter has said in numerous yeah. interviews that he screened the movie without the score, yeah. and people hated it. He screened it after when he put the score together with the same group of people, and they automatically were terrified of it. That score shows the importance of of a, score. Of a film score a to a movie.
1: Yeah.
0: And my favorite use of the score is when uh, Michael stalks Lori, where she falls down the stairs, and he's chasing her from house from. Oh,
1: uh, uh, is that Lindsay's- the whole, like, don't- Dun, dun. Dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> so where where he chases Lori
0: from uh Lindsay's house to Tommy's house, that is Perfect. Instead it
1: builds tension too. It's so good.
0: And then you're watching the theater and you're like, oh my God. Like or You're watching in a the theater or at what? home and you're like, oh my God, Tommy, get your fucking lazy ass Tommy, off. Wait the, <laughs> the fuck off. <laughs> <up.
1: laughs> <laughs> Where was his sense of urgency? She's like screaming. He's like, who is it? <laughs> yeah, He like just woke up. <laughs> and
0: then my number two is Batman 1989. Woo! It's uh, Danny Elfman. Oh, that's, and- why
1: you're, that's why you're so mad at me. <laughs> so yeah, so. <laughs>
0: I think that's another. I mean, G mentioned one of my favorite scenes in the movie as well, but that score is everywhere. Yeah. It created, I think Superman's theme is very important because that's Superman's march. But I think nothing really compares to the Bat March at the beginning of the movie. Mm. Right then and there, mm-hmm. you're okay, like, scenes, yeah. it takes you into a different world. But my favorite use of the scene is actually um, from where Commissioner Gordon at the end is like, he gave us a signal the use of score there to the moment where he's standing up he's standing up at the yeah. top of the of the oh i don't know what the church or whatever with the with the bat signal out that's such a good moment and the score just emphasized that so yeah that's my number 2 leo
2: yeah so so it's super freaking funny um my number 5 is also godfather yeah <laughs> Nino roda same exact scene, the baptism. Good taste, um, man. Good yeah, taste. The baptism. I think that it was like a good combination of like, because like, first off, Nino wrote a score in general was so authentically Italian. Like yes. anything other than that type of score for this movie just wouldn't have resonated the same, mm-hmm. right? Because that's that's definitely something important to this film. This is an Italian family. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the baptism scene where it goes from like it's just building tension on what's going on. You have like some classical church music going alongside the mood building. So good. It's incredible. Um, my number four is uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. You So, in general, that score by uh, by John Williams, um, what I loved about part two, Empire More, is that there's also callbacks to part one. Yes. There's Han's theme. There's Leia's theme. There's, there's just a bunch of these little like world-building themes that rem- remind you of what you saw in the first film. Mm-hmm. And there's new stuff. So, my favorite usage of music, Imperial Imperial March Imperial March.
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah, when
2: you finally hear Vader's... Imperial
0: March like it's, it's iconic it's so yeah Empire is not on my list another Star Wars movie is and I think that um my favorite use of score in Empire is actually Yoda's theme okay where Yoda is lifting up where Luke is being a yeah. whiny little bitch and he's like I can't do it I can't lift it I'm yeah. not strong enough and then Yoda lifts up his his speeder yeah that score is so it, it pretty it, it's a score it's a moment of hope. And, okay. and and realization that Luke needs to start opening his mind to possibilities rather than just being close-minded and saying yeah. I can't do things. So I think that no, yeah. moment Williams, really sticks Williams. well. I think Williams does Williams a great is the job. goat. And if anyone tells me that Williams no. is not the goat, is so, like there's
2: shy. something wrong. I was absolutely shocked <laughs> but, with how much Zimmer is on my list. But then like yeah, it's like I think for me Imperial March w-
1: of Part yeah. Two, yeah. Go ahead g i would say john williams makes the best i would say john williams makes makes the best like cinematic scores like they're really big yes. and grand like yep. i think out of all the main composers he's probably does that the best yeah agree uh so at uh no, no. number five oh, wait, 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 no, no, you know, no my you
2: know my, uh, my number three no, my yeah, is batman 89 so danny elfman um same um i mean look danny elfman is my my, my favorite composer uh, and Batman 89 is my favorite movie so it's it's never not going to be on this list um and ironically enough my favorite scene is exactly the same one G mentioned it. when he's it's uh, the, the name of the song is Descent into Mystery yes and he's driving Vicky back to the there's Bat also cave. an
0: orchestra uh um a chorus used in that as well
2: yeah there is yes when they like, right right as uh, i guess the the vocals hit in mm-hmm. right as like the 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 cave is opening up and you think you're about to crash um, but no, like the I think that that score in general is just Danny Elfman at his best. My number two, and this is where it's like more me versus like the quality of it. My number two is actually Broken Arrow by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> um, this was this was my first ever time where I noticed a score enough to ask questions. So I'd never seen Broken Arrow,
0: so I gotta like it's listen a John to the Travolta
2: score. and Christian Slater.
0: Oh, I wish Jenny was on here because she's probably seen it,
2: dude. So it's, oh, it's it's a really it's a it's yeah, a it's, uh...
0: it's a '90s action movie, <laughs>
2: um, but it was one of those times where I was like, "Wait, this music is freaking! It's interesting. It's different." So like, I started asking more questions, found out who Hans Zimmer was, and that just like started this snowball of looking into Hans Zimmer's music um that's kind of like where i kind of like started this whole thing so for me broken arrow is really important um i, I definitely don't think it's one of the greatest films of all time <laughs> um but there's a song at the very beginning called brothers where it's setting the foundation of just the juxtaposition between slater's character and travolta's character um a lot of bells a lot of zimmer ish stuff um but yeah but that's my number two
0: Alrighty, righty uh go ahead g uh
1: fun fact about the broken Arrow. Uh, it's- score uh dewey's theme from scream 2 is parts of that music is borrowed from pieces of music at broken arrow oh
4: wow so like
1: yeah yeah so they couldn't come up with like a, a, they couldn't they didn't have time to come up with a proper like theme for dewey so they actually license out part of that music uh and use it as dewey's theme so i just <laughs> wanted to throw that out no. yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um uh so at number five i have the empire strikes back um not only do you get all the like the signature like Star Wars theme and all that stuff, but it does like Leo so said, you introduce the Imperial March, which is probably, I guess, the best like villain like theme I can think of wow. off the top of
0: my head. I think so too. Uh, yeah, uh, uh,
1: I know it's but like I picked that one because you get a little bit of everything from Star Wars, but you get that new piece of music that's also really good. Okay. Um, number four, I have uh, Edward Scissorhand, Uh Danny Elfman. Um, I, I, I like Danny Elfman. Like just as much as leo maybe but like i think his music here like kind of it it just kind of brings the movie to life and it really feels like it's music for that character um my favorite use of the music is uh it's called the ice dance is what he's doing the uh ice sculpture and Ronald Ryder is like dancing in the snow um that's my favorite piece of music in that and then i have halloween number three uh john carpenter uh like you said like uh probably the best example of a score actually like making a movie um my favorite piece of music though is probably uh it was hard i i think it's called lori's theme but it's like it's a different point of her walk It's when she walks to the house for the first time after linda is killed and she needs to go over there to go check on everything and it's a it's a like nice little subtle piece of music uh and like it's weird because it's like a calm like almost sweet kind of music but it also emphasizes a little bit of dread that she's walking across the street um at number two i have et uh nice. john williams um i picked the, only because like it's the first time you really hear the music well, so, but i picked the scene where he flies over the moon uh for the first, for the time? first time nice yeah yeah uh i don't know it makes me i feel like a kid every time i hear the music it takes me right back to the first time i saw the movie every nice. time i hear it
3: nice so that's my number
0: two all right go ahead Ry.
3: All right, my number five is uh, the Joker, and same as you, Dave, I went with the bathroom scene, just the tension in there with the face-off with the Wayne. Um, number four, I went with Wonder Woman, and I went with the No Man's Land scene, just, ah, mm. uh, just, I, I just get so pumped in that second, in those couple minutes, and just, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> who did who did the music? For Wonder three. Woman. Uh, I Hans, don't remember the score.
0: I look. Uh, it wasn't Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer originally did her theme, but someone else did the score. So I will look that up while Ryan keeps going.
3: All right, number three, I have The Dark Knight. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's the interrogation room. Just as to just the drama in the room between Batman and Joker, which just iconic in my opinion and number two i have batman 89 and i have to go with the song that i uh, had my groomsmen come out too and that is the main theme nice so nice. anywhere the main theme is just that's for me all
0: right <laughs> and then uh round us out uh rye what's your number one
3: my number one is empire uh and oh, for shoot. me it's when Luke learns, Vader's his father, just the subtleties on how they use it and how they show Luke coming to grips with it, like his denial and then his anger about it and just everything about it. And you just hear the chords and the notes going perfectly with it. It's just so well done in my opinion.
0: Nice. And then to answer Leo's question, Rupert Gregson Williams is who did the score for For Wonder Wonder Woman. Woman. Nice. All right, G, what's your number one?
1: All right, my number, this is all about feeling, so yes, I'm going go to say that first. But <laughs> uh, my number one is uh, "It's Twenty Fifth Hour" by uh, Terrence. Blanchard. Oh, I remember. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I know you like that score a lot.
1: Uh, yeah, Terrence Blanchard is a jazz musician who mostly just does that, but he only really works on like Spike Lee films. Uh oh, shoot. as Spike Lee, like Spike Lee, really likes his music, it's, so usually it's just like he usually does like jazzy kind of things for uh, his music, but. Uh, with Twenty Fifth Hour, he kind of mixes that with a bit more of a, like a more cinematic score. Um, to me, the score in Twenty Fifth Hour is just as much as the character in the movie as the characters nice. themselves. Like it really kind of tells the story from beginning to end. Uh, it was hard for me to pick the best piece of music because I like music so much. But my, I the what gets me the most is when the music is used during the end during Brian Cox's uh narr- narration over. You know, whether or not he's going to take Monty to prison or if they're going to go down another road and uh, basically, you know, you can live your life and like uh, not go to prison. This is all the things that could happen for you if you don't go. Um, that movie actually makes me cry too because, like, kind of that's the ending that I want for the character. Uh, there's a big matter of like whether or not that's the ending we actually get. They say it's open for interpretation. The writer of the book gave a definitive answer, um, but. You know, and that music playing over Brian Cox's like a narration for that scene of like what you want for that character even though that character was like a drug dealer did bad things you do realize that this was a good guy who kind of got into a rough position and you kind of want to see him come out of it but um, I know I brought up the score before but if you guys ever get a chance to just listen to pieces of the music it's really really strong and if you watch the movie again nice. like I think the music will stand out more for you
2: nice. So straight up, like it's crazy the amount of like uh, of synchronization between G's list and my list to the point where I definitely want to watch 25th hour immediately after leaving (laughs) from recording today. My number one, same thing, feelings, right? Even though Batman 89 showed me like the Tim Burton, Danny Elfman combination and how awesome it could be. It doesn't hit the heartstrings like Edward Scissorhands and Ice Dance. Um, that score, yeah. dude, it's, it's gee, when you were talking about it, it's exactly how I feel. It's, um, it's so many, like it's like it's that, that little subtle Danny Elfman timber and creepy bells, um, sets like the yeah. beautiful melodic like tone to it. It's, it's, it's all Christmassy too. So it's very, very, um, it's, it's also whimsical, very fantastical. Um, and I stands at the very end where like, he's like cutting up the ice with his, uh, with his knives and, and uh or his scissor hands <laughs> and uh and winona Ryder uh <laughs> dancing around in the snow um yeah i think that oh
1: is that towards the end where she's like you where she's like you can still see me dancing in it yes uh, yes so dude good dude. yeah so good yeah oh my god <laughs>
2: yeah so i think that that score it's uh it another it's another one that hits it's like i can listen to that music alone and um and i think from i, I from... Think
1: that's his best movie all in the
2: um, Elfman or, uh, or Burton or both uh, uh, Tim
1: Burton I think it's Tim Burton's but uh, I mean I think it's Elfman's best piece of music probably and I think it's Tim Burton's best movie and probably because it's his most personal movie because he it's feels exactly like he personal. is
2: yeah no I think and you could tell you could definitely tell and I think like um from from this movie and then realizing that Elfman did the music for Batman 89 and then it just started this whole like asking questions listening to music appreciating scores because I think how, how David mentioned earlier like Without some of these scores, these movies just aren't as good. Yo, my, are number, right. my number, one mm-hmm. is uh, Edward
4: Scissorhands. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. If you if you listen to the Bad Return score too, there's pieces of like the Edward Scissorhands music in that there score is. throughout. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, like you can kind of, I mean, because it has because it has a whole like Christmas musical exactly, thing in exactly Returns as well, and I think that's why he did it. But yeah, you can hear pieces of it in that movie too. All
0: right. All right. So my number one is Star Wars, um, is nice. Episode Four. So the reason I went with 4 over 5 is because I feel like the moment we first see a long time ago and I got to see Far, Far Away was the moment that scores were restored to a level of epic film. Like, G mentioned before, William's scores are on an epic scale. Yeah. And I think around that time, scores were done a little bit differently. Like, I have Godfather on my list and I love Godfather but it's a and Rocky, but they're completely different scores compared to Star Wars. And I think... William's use and William's score in this movie, he it coincided with an operatic feel that coincided with the space opera that we we're yeah, about to watch. Yeah. So I think because of that, we would never obviously get Empire and Return of the Jedi going forward. So I had to give Love to New Hope as the standard for film scores. Nice. Um, and my favorite use is actually what I use as my wedding entrance theme is all uh, the... <clears throat> The throne room at the end at of the movie, the end, yeah. Uh, so yeah, my groomsmen and I walked into that at the end and, and during my wedding, and I think that's such a great use of the score and everything in the movie. I love Leia's theme. I love mm-hmm. everything about the score. So yeah, that's my number one. And that wraps it up for today, guys. Yeah, guys, good job. Good I, I, I appreciate nice. everybody's list. Love everyone's choices. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, this You're w- awesome. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll be back next week Happy with turkey. a Happy Turkey Day. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of the godfather part two because it is celebrating its 45th anniversary nice catch you next week peace